We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It's a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics. The good, the bad, and the ugly by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Stephen. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? Um, don't ever schedule Bowling Green again. That is that is the good word. Starting off hot. Well, you got to rip the Band-Aid off at some point, Stephen. <sighs> well, I all, all I could think of is the, is the clip from... Uh, the Water Boy, where Rob Schneider goes, "Oh no, we suck again." So that is where we are. We will talk plenty of football, almost none of it good, in the second half of the program. But w- there is some good news, and we want to get to the news about Georgia Tech athletics. So yes, uh, so and you didn't answer you so. The answer to the question of what's of the of the question what's a good word we can't even say it right. I mean, at this point, we we got bigger fish to fry. Like we gotta we gotta we gotta focus on ourselves. Right. So for this week, we're gonna pull that back and we're gonna. They've got some other problems they got to deal with over there too. Uh, We're not talking about Auburn played well, but we got to worry about ourselves and fix what's inside first. There we go. Oh boy, he's he's getting motivational speech here, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so. Let's get to the news. We're, well, there are some other news points we want to talk about, a little bit of volleyball, a little bit of golf, and then we are going to spend the majority of the show talking about the debacle that was the game this last weekend. Debacle! And <clears throat> the responses we've seen and discuss where we're at, where, you know, maybe bring a little bit of level-headedness and then look ahead to Miami. So, Joshua, I will start with volleyball. And I, and well, then, first, let me throw in a little news nugget. Oh, news. Outside of sport. That's right. Field reporter yes. Stacy. Well, field reporter Stacy gave us another great story. If you watch Jeopardy every night, you probably know about this because it's ha- it happened a couple days ago. But Georgia Tech alum Harry, oh man, Paramus Warren. Paramus Warren? Paramus Warren. I said it last time. Yeah, so you said it last time, so I'm trying to make sure that I get it right. Paramus Warren. Yes. Paramus Warren, um, he got his second Jeopardy champion title in the second chance tournament. So now he will be in the champions wild card tournament in order to attempt to get into the tournament Tournament. of champions. Yeah, so the tournament of champions is how they kick off every season. Last year they did this new thing called the wild card tournament. People who had gotten like four wins or they had three, one of them had three wins and had been ousted by who would later become a tournament of champion qualifier and so they they kind of did this wild card and it was su- and the winner of the wild card gets into the tournament of champion it was such a success they then did a expanded the playoffs expanded and harry <laughs> has now won the two tournaments to get into the wild card so which he'll then win to try to get into the tournament of champions yeah. so it's like it's like a it's like in the rec ball days when you had to, if you went to the losers bracket right. you had to win like two games in a day right so you you went and then you went to the losers losers bracket you had to yeah. get out but Harry is no loser Harry is a no, an engineer all. 
and answered a lot of questions correctly. And by the way, his first win, very strategic. All right, so Harry got two minutes on this show. Let's let's get on. But yeah. c- kudos to you, Harry. Continue to be a hell of an engineer, and we hope to see you in the Tournament of Champions. That will kick off the next season of Jeopardy. All right, volleyball news. Georgia Tech remains undefeated in ACC play. Georgia Tech won the first two of their four-game road swing, and they defeated Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. The win over Virginia Tech was a sweep, was a dominant affair. They outscored Virginia Tech by 20 points in the first two sets. They won 25-16 and 25-14 before closing out the sweep 25-21. In a, and there were definitely some things to talk about. I wanted to focus on uh, the win over uh, Wake Forest. By the way, the win over Virginia Tech, the other reason that's important, was uh, head coach Collier's 101st ACC win. She now stands alone. 101? 101, yeah, 101 wins in the ACC for, for Coach Collier. The win over the Demon Deacons was a five-set affair. The first five-set affair by Georgia Tech so far this season in Winston-Salem. And it seemed like it was a great match. I saw some of the highlights. They won the first set 25-22, lost the second set 22-25, won the third set by what? guess what score? 25-22. And they lost the fourth set by 21-25 and then won the fifth and final set 15-12. A tremendously close affair. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, one of the reasons why is Wake Forest that good? Maybe. Uh, the other reason was Georgia Tech was missing a couple of their key starters. Ah. But a lot of other players stepped up. Bianca Bertolino had... Heard her name before. Had basically her best uh, night or her best night in the program. They She led the squad with uh, 22 kills. She had a career best tying four blocks. And she also she had her fourth double double of the season. Uh, a sophomore middle blocker Anna Boise exploded for a career high eight blocks. Larissa Mendez, right freshman right side hitter, tallied a personal best six blocks. And junior middle blocker Deandra Pierce tied her career mark with five blocks. Basically, the biggest difference in this game was service aces and blocks. I believe we out aced them eleven to three. The other real cool moment was, for the first time in her career, freshman setter Heloise Sorez took the reins as the primary setter, and she had her personal best in assists, 34, eight digs, and two blocks, plus she had an ace. Her performance was such that she was named ACC Freshman of the Week in volleyball. Eight weeks through the season, Georgia Tech has scored a... ACC Player of the Week or some type of honor five times, which already surpasses last year's four times. And so they stand at 13-1. and They're 4-0 in the conference. They are heading to Pitt. Pitt and Louisville are the other two ranked teams in the ACC. They're at 7-6, and six respectively. And Georgia Tech goes into Pitt to face them on, fri- on Friday, I believe. So... Uh, yes, Friday. That is on uh, ACC Network Extra if you want to watch them. <clears throat> the Georgia, the RamblinRec.com website has a has a great article about every match, and you can catch highlights of every match on YouTube. Just search Georgia Tech Volleyball. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> the next story comes from the RamblinRec.com as well. Georgia Tech's men's golf team 
is currently in a tournament. By the time this episode is posted, they will have finished this tournament, so feel free to follow up on what we're about to tell you. But they are playing in the Ben Hogan Collegiate Invitational over in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, And I'll be honest, it is not going great for the Jackets after the first two rounds. The first two rounds were completed uh, yesterday. The final round will be completed today. But currently, Georgia Tech as a team is tied for 11th place. Um, And they are 28 strokes off the lead, which is not great. But Christo Lamprecht is you know, performing the best as he is wont to do, apparently. He is currently tied for ninth place in the individual race. Uh, He was one of only eight players, actually, Monday to break par in both rounds. So that's probably where, you know, you get the top nine, right, is there's eight that are breaking breaking par. Uh, The other people there, Hiroshi Tai is tied for 19th place at an even par. And then you've also got... Bailey Forrester and Carson Kim are three over par, and sophomore Aiden Tran is uh, at a 74, so I believe he's about four over par. So <clears throat> apparently it's a tough course to play because not a lot of people are breaking par, mm. but Tech is not is above par enough to where they are behind currently in the lead. Um, but as the article says, only five teams are under par total, um, but then Oklahoma is kind of running away with it. They're 15 under, they had a 15 under par round in the afternoon, and they currently have a five shot lead over Arizona State. So, see how it goes. Maybe Tech can stage an insane comeback, but you know, Lamprick is showing that last year he's even improving on what he was, what he carded last year, and Hiroshi Tai is back doing his thing. So, the golf team is still playing well. Hmm. Speaking of golf, I did want to mention, if you guys ever wonder on ramblinrec.com, they do this thing called the Pro Pro Jackets Report, and they were talking about some of the past golfers and just wanted to mention that good old Ross Steelman, last year's runner-up in the NCAA championship, he had gone to the PGA Tour U, and he was fourth he had placed he had finished fourth on the pga tour university ranking or pga tour u he is playing on a sponsor exemption at this weekend's sanderson farms one of the most golf sounding tournament names yeah that's very sanderson farms so good luck to ross steelman i believe this is his first pga tour appearance so I hope he does great. I hope we talk about him, and I hope he makes the cut. Absolutely. So, all right. We've held it off as long as we can. We're about 10 minutes 10 in. 10 minutes. Yeah. So I wish we had basketball news to talk about. Eh, we could we could fake some stuff, but you know what? Jordan Usher's playing well in Australia. It's time to rip off the Band-Aid. Yeah. It's time to rip off the Band-Aid. Yeah, if you don't want to listen to this, go look for Jordan Usher highlights on Instagram. He's, and He's YouTube. balling down there. He is Down balling. under. Absolutely. Effort, Ush doing Ush things, as we yeah. like to say. I'm sure there are some tremendous plays. And then I'm sure there are some over-exuberant plays that turn out badly. Because that's what you take with Ush. And we love it, and we love him, and and we wish him nothing but the best. All right, time to talk football. Joshua, I don't need to I, – I don't know how much you want to get into the stats because there's not a lot good to say. I'm going to turn it over to you. You give the recap. Well, we got to get into the stats because – the stats They'll are tell the story, and uh, we gotta we gotta live it live it through one more time, boys. So, 
Georgia Tech played Bowling Green, uh, a MAC school, one of those scheduled out of conference games, the team schedule, ideally so that they can get a tune up and a win. It did not go that way for Georgia Tech. It is shades of a past era that we hoped were behind us. And we'll get into all of that later. But Georgia Tech lost to Bowling Green 38 to 27. It started off really well for the Jackets. Um, within about five, six minutes of the game starting, they were up 14 nothing after a beautiful deep ball to Eric Singleton. From Haynes King, put him up seven to nothing, and then a great drive that they were able to sustain, put him up two scores. After that, it was it was all Bowling Green. Bowling Green would go on to score one, two, three, four, five, six, six times unanswered. Thirty-eight unanswered. Yes, points. thirty-eight unanswered points before Georgia Tech would score a couple consolation touchdowns at the end of the game. It's the only way I can really describe it. Uh, Bowling Green dominated the action from about nine and a half minutes left in the first quarter to the end of the third. It was just constant. Georgia Tech was going three and out almost all the time. If they did get a first down, they would then go four and out. Um, it was just not not a good thing to watch. Um, you know, Haynes King had, by the stats, it looked like he had a good day, right? 23 for 37, 348 yards, four touchdowns. A lot of those came at the end of the game. He also threw two interceptions, which is rare for Haynes King. We have not seen him do that a lot this year. No, it's okay. Um, <clears throat> the running game did not really get unstuck. Jamal Haynes only had 45 yards on eight rushes. And Trey Cooley has disappeared from the running back rotation. He's become more of a third down pass catching back, it seems like, because he only had two rushes. Meanwhile, he and he also had one target. So it's becoming almost a one running back room, which is not great, believe it or that not. That is not what we thought we had. Not what we thought. Although game. I think Dante Smith is getting healthy. I believe he'll be back soon. We'll see what happens. Um, on the receiving side, Dominic Blaylock had a good day. Seven catches for 131 yards. He had a couple deep balls. There were also a couple balls that he probably could have had, but he just couldn't complete the catch. They were high-difficulty catches in all fairness. Um, Eric Singleton had four catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. Malik Rutherford had a touchdown with 67 yards. A lot of other people getting, you know, one uh, one catch here or there. And Georgia Tech did also have two sacks, but Bowling Green had three, and their stats look a little bit better. Connor Basilak had a, was 21 of 32 for 263 yards. Their running back also ran for 138 yards on 26 carries. And I, if you watched the game, you saw him. He was bouncing off the first tackler, the second tackler, and the third tackler. Georgia Tech could not seem to bring him down. He was running like a bowling ball out there and they also had um their main wide receiver i gotta remember his name is like finn hogan six catches for 102 yards had an absolutely insane grab on the miles brooks for a touchdown it it was quite impressive so the story of the game was the defense didn't really stop them and also they were gassed because the offense could not move the ball to save their lives the story of the game is brent key's first comment i believe it was his first comment in his post-game press conference we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Or we've still got a long way to go. Yep, 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 yep. So, <laughs> look, you gave the stats. You and I watched the game together. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. And, and what what I hoped for and what I thought I saw starting to happen the first four games, that game on Saturday showed me that we are not as far along as I thought because we did not play together. We did not, we've now not played discipline the last couple weeks. 
we uh, or last two to three weeks, there's been way too much undisciplined play, yeah. and we're not doing the basic things well. We are not blocking, and we are not tackling. And I think we've been able to overcome that enough, and Bowling Green was kind of the culmination of showing that, nope, we really aren't as we do have a long way to go. So what were, I know your reactions during the game, because I heard most of them. What, what are, give it, give me your thoughts enough of, instead of just stats, give me your hot sports take opinion. Uh, it's, it's quite simple. I think that in the last two weeks we have seen both how far the program has come and how far left there is to go. Mm. Um, you know, cause the Wake Forest game we all hoped was going to be the, kind of the first sign of, okay, this is, we're not elite, but we're not bad, right? Like we, we've taken steps. And I still think the team has taken steps considering some of the games that we've been in. Those don't get erased from this game. This is just proof you hope that, not. yeah, you hope that, you hope that they don't spiral. It is up to Brent Key to get this team back on track. And they, he's already made a move. He demoted Andrew Thacker. From defensive coordinator Kevin Scherer, Scherer, Scherer. I'm not sure. Scherer is now going to be the defensive coordinator. So it, he's doing he, what he can. He had been co-defensive coordinator, apparently. <sighs> who knows, man? They they put names on. I mean, Chris Winky, I think, is co-offensive coordinator, but who who knows? Andrew Thacker was the main defensive play caller. He is no longer the main defensive play caller. He is now the safety coach. So he's trying to get something different, right? Because you firing a coordinator midseason is normally the move. I kind of respect him for trying to keep Thacker on if he really likes what Thacker brings, if he really likes the message he sends or the energy or some of the knowledge. Just clearly he doesn't think he's going to be the main play caller. But I think Paul Mawala said it best in his postgame presser. He was very upfront with the fact that, yes, we we, we looked past Bowling Green. Like we didn't, we didn't take them as seriously as we should have. And a lot of people were – giving him flack for it. And a lot of people were like, how can you look past him after everything that this program is, has been the last couple of years, how you, it's inexcusable. And yeah, it is. That's why he said it out loud of, right. It's inexcusable that we did this. I give him a lot of credit for owning up to the mistake and kind of being the spokesman of the team. And we own the fact that we kind of were feeling ourselves a little bit too much. Well, if there's one thing Brent key has brought to this program since taking over last year, he's very no nonsense. Yeah. And he's very transparent as much as he can be as a head coach of what's happening. So he did not shy away. That, that Again, oh, yeah. his opening comment, we've still got a long way to go. He did not hide from taking responsibility. He, he, he stated multiple times the coaching staff did not do their job of getting the players ready to play. I think you can say there's there's an element of, you know, believing the old saying is, you know, your crap doesn't stink. And I think maybe they maybe they believed a little too much of the hype. Maybe they thought, hey, we are good enough to just show up. Which, oh, yeah, by I mean, the way, we had said at the beginning of this season, we still are not good enough to just show up and beat anybody on our schedule. That game Saturday yeah. show. And, I mean, it's, it's just – it's an example in physical form. It's no longer words. So – um, there, this season can now go one of two ways. You can either use this as a way to get everybody refocused and listen. You, and the wise words of Herb Brooks, gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Right. 
So either you that happens or the season unravels, the players start to check out, play for them, do a bunch of stuff, and we go back to four and eight. And one of the reasons why we, those of us who think Brent Key was a good hire or the right hire, whatever you want to say, or the best hire that was available, one of the reasons why is he looks like a guy who can build a program. Now he gets his chance to show it. This is the first real. This is the first real sense of adversity because right. everything else has been, oh, you know, that at least they were in the game against Ole Miss. Right. At least and, they almost beat Louisville. Well, and last year was way overachieving. Yeah. And and there was a no-lose. You couldn't lose. You want <laughs> the season was already in the toilet because the team was so fragile. Anything you did was not worse than what Collins had put on the field those first four games. So now he's got now he's got his job of putting this team back together. What does he build from here? And I'm not saying, and again, I, I, I said this at the beginning of the season and I was reminded of it after that debacle on Saturday. To me, the success is not necessarily measured in wins and losses. The losses we had had up to that point, you could, you could point to mistakes, you could point to things, but you said, hey, the effort was there. They were playing together. You saw some flashes. So, the Bowling Green was the culmination of a lot of the mistakes that have got to be cleaned up. They've got to stop getting empty drives in the red zone. Yeah. That, it, that seems to be a problem. Um, the other thing, Saturday, the very first time I've ever seen this all year, Haynes King looked like a quarterback that needed to transfer because he's not the man. He really struggled with his, his with accuracy. This his was the accuracy. first time we kind of saw the scattershot accuracy that plagued him at AM. His first four games, he had covered up a multitude of sins. Yeah. And I think he wasn't able to cover up and he showed some of his own sins. Um, and some of it was, I just, I feel like the blocking wasn't the greatest. Oh, I mean, and some of it was Bowling Green was doing really good to kind of disguise their blitzes and, and yep. bring some delayed blitzes to where our offensive line just didn't pick it up and they were free rushers coming at Haynes, and so he had to get rid of the football. Right. And I think after that, even when he was a clean pocket, it's the natural reaction of a quarterback, especially one with so, such a little game experience, to get happy feet, kind of start to – start to his internal clock has been sped up, and so he's just – He's just waiting to get hit because I'm normally on the ground by now. Well, we've we've got to change the. We've got to protect our quarterback. Even yeah, if you I send mean, out if you send out fewer people, send out fewer people. But we've got to protect our quarterback. We we I'm I'm ready to see a little more expansion of the offensive playbook. But anyway, okay. So let's. So I also wanted to take a moment, and I believe you have an email that uh, I, we asked permission. So we actually got an email from a listener. We've mentioned him before, friend of show Lewis. Lewis sent Joshua an email. I texted him and asked if it would be okay for us to, to share this. And he said, absolutely. I believe Lewis might be indicative or might be a good example of how some Tech fans felt Saturday after the game. Based on the reactions I saw on Twitter, I believe so. Well, and not just Twitter, rea- not, not the overreaction of social media. This is a realistic reaction of an email, so go ahead and read. All right, well, so first of all, he said, thank, you know, your, our podcast is awesome, which... Aw, thanks, Lewis. Um, and then he sums up his tech fandom, basically. He's been a tech fan since the 80s. He lives in Athens. He's married to a Bulldog grad, but he's been a tech fan for as long as he can remember. 
But in his own words, and that, that being said, I am closer now than ever to walking away. Um, I have to consider why putting myself in a horrible mood every single weekend makes sense. I can't decide if I'm more angry with the offense or defense. Neither played worth a darn. We gave up so many third and longs, but that is to be expected. Um, Tech's been bad at third and longs in his own words since he can remember for the past 40 years, which, I mean, I feel like that's true for most. Every team would think that because I think that about the Falcons. Um, Not this current team, but most of the past teams. But either way, um, and then his last comment was, you know, listening to the Coast Game press conference and Coach Key's comments now, but it's a waste of time. A coach's comments lead to change about as often as a politician's. Now, in all fairness, he did make changes. Right. He did make change. So he at least is trying something else. But and, and to Lou and and also when I texted Lewis, he said, by the way, after a day or so, I am feeling a little more. Yeah, as per usual. Down. So I saw that on I saw that on X as well. I mean, after a day or so, after a day or so, everybody was like, okay, so it's not the worst thing to ever happen. Well, that's so one. I actually got involved in. I made a comment, one comment on a Facebook thread where someone had said, "This is absolutely the worst loss. This is the worst thing in thirty years as a fan." And I couldn't help myself. I said, "Do you not remember the Citadel in Northern Illinois?" And somebody else commented and said. I had forgotten about those. So yeah, you're right. This isn't as bad. It wasn't the person who said this is the worst, but someone else said, I was kind of feeling, but thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, it has sucked for a while. And again, yep. going back to Rob Schneider, oh no, we suck again. And so I think we all need to acknowledge this sucks. We are so frustrated. We're so angry. We're so mad. We want to say, we want to throw up our hands and walk away but as alum and fans, you have to decide, am I going to stay with this team? Because that fan is short for fanatic. And you have to be fanatical. You have to be a fanatic to stick with this team after the last four years we've lived through. Here we are. So you have to ask yourself, do you believe Brent Key and the rest of the coaching staff and Jay Bat and the rest of the athletic department have an opportunity to make this team better? Define what better is, because if it's we got to win ACC championships and compete for national titles sooner rather than later, I, I, I don't think you're being realistic. Can better be building a program, which I will mention, friend of show Kent texted me and, and said, hey, I'm so frustrated with the Tech game. He said, but I'm watching Duke Notre Dame. And he said that Duke coach has been there four years. You've got to give, and and his point was, do I believe Brent Key over time can build something? And his answer is yes. Paul Johnson built something. George O'Leary built something. Bill Curry was there, and he built something. By the way, don't ever wear the black uniforms when it's over eighty-five degrees. Yeah, save those ever for night games. again. Save them for winter. Yeah, right, save them for winter. I'm with them there. I'm with you there. But good heavens. <laughs> So, but that wasn't the you named we you lost. named tech alum head coaches. I can name a couple just currently coaching in college football to prove because I've seen people say already saying well, Brent Key was obviously the wrong hire or I thought he was the wrong hire and this just proves it. I saw some people blame the fans because they didn't show up and pay like but there weren't enough people in the stands. I don't know. There were thirty five thousand tickets sold for that yeah, game, which I, is more than has been sold in the last couple of years. Everybody has a different perspective, and everybody wants to be right, so they're going to go to the internet and see. I told you just because. Listen, in his first season at Alabama, Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe. Mike Norville, in at Florida State, 
lost, had like a three and nine season when he first started. And he had people calling for his head. Now they're currently like top five in the nation, or at least yep. right around there. Right? Lance Leopold took over Kansas, the worst division division one power five program in the world. And in two, it took them two or three years. Last year they were six and six, which was unheard of at Kansas for the past like 20, like 10 years, 10, 15 years. Right. Yep. Deion Sanders is at Colorado right now and has him at three and two, which everybody's starting to you know, oh, well, the hype's done. He's lost to two top 10 teams. Right. And that's just proof that no matter how much hype you come in with, no matter how, how many good feelings you have preseason, a football program is not built in an offseason. Right. Brent Key came in this offseason and he made some positive changes. Right. He got some real good freshmen, as you can see with Eric Singleton. Right, bringing in a guy like Aaron Philo as a quarterback, bringing in Haynes King and coaching him up, hiring Buster Faulkner. He has made some positive changes to this program. But Rome was not built in a day. And he's you cannot build a football, a winning football program in a single year. Two years normally is when you really start going, okay, what what do we look better? Do we look worse? Do we look the same? And that's how you start to go. This first year, you've just got to see where you're currently at. And right now, Currently, we're better than we ever were the last four years because right. we already we stuck with Ole Miss. We it's glorious. Yes, we stuck with Ole Miss. We almost beat Louisville. This is a bad win. This is a bad loss. This is horrible. But the Wake Forest win was a good win, and we can either fall apart and start pointing the finger and blaming people, or we can use it as a way to go. Okay, well, clearly we have a long ways to go. Let's start taking those steps today. And so anybody that wants Brent Key fired already, I don't think you've watched enough sports to understand how long it takes to build a program, personally. And Georgia Tech has – what frustrated me the most is if they had beat Bowling Green, they would have been over 500 for the first time since 2018. I really wanted that, and now we didn't get that. So your next four games are at Miami, home against Boston – you get your bye week, home against Boston College – home against North Carolina and at Virginia. Okay. So can we go two and two in those four games? Ideally. Ideally. Play. Right. Boston College and Virginia are the two bottom dwellers. Yep. And so. But we talked about Virginia with Dog. Right. Right. And between UNC and Clemson, that could, that right. could be a, that could be a trap game. So Brent's got to keep them focused week in and week out. They cannot overlook a team. Right. Can they win a game they're not supposed to win? Which you can argue Wake Forest was that. Can they well, do they that did one that more last year? Can, right. Can they do that one more time? And can they can they keep from losing a game they kind of shouldn't lose? And unfortunately, what this last week's game showed is actually there are no games that we shouldn't lose. We are not good enough to just show up and win in any game. So how are you going to finish the season? And are you going to continue to show people, hey, we're building something here. Give us some time. I think that's what we're hoping for. I think that's what we're looking for. And, yeah, I, I, one of the funny things I saw somebody comment. So I saw a bunch. Of, it is so easy to go. They suck. Fire them all. It, we're never going to be good again. We don't do NIL. The athletic department doesn't care. Blah, 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 blah. If that's the way you feel, you absolutely are entitled to those feelings. One of my favorite ones that I saw about that was, We'll never get another coach like Bobby Ross again. That's never going to happen, so we're never going to win a national championship. And I just wanted to lovingly remind that person, Bobby Ross's first season, we were 3-9. and 3-9! and nine. Yep. So well, it How quickly people forget. How quickly people forget. And, oh, well, with the transfer portal, you can turn everything around. 
You can bring in a bunch of people. You still Nor- got to Norville build is the number one transfer portal recruiter that I've seen in the last like three years, and it took him two to three years it's, to get no the team what, around. It's, it's it, going to take two to three years. It's so. going to take time. So if you're calling for Brent Key's head, go ahead and say that just so you know. It's not going to happen anytime soon. You're going to be screaming into space. And the funny thing is, so who, so who you got? Who are you going to bring in? Because that's the other. Oh, you, you bring in such bad. Okay, should have brought in Dion. Yeah, well, we don't even know if he was a candidate or right. if he wanted to come here. I but. know he didn't, but uh, well, I believe he didn't anyway. Either All right, way. you know, gentlemen, is- we don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. <laughs> All right, so we've quoted Rob Schneider and Waterboy. We've quoted Herb Brooks in Miracle. I think that's probably enough movie quotes and. To be honest, this would normally be the time where we preview. After this last game, the, it, the preview isn't worth a preview. We're playing at Miami, correct? We're playing at well, Miami. Miami's ranked. So, gentlemen, you you get you given. There's a chance. Well, there's it. So you're saying there's a chance. There no, we go. I'm saying there's it's going to take a lot. Yeah, right. But so Miami is ranked 17th. We are playing at Miami. It is an evening game, eight o'clock on the ACC network. I. I hope I wish we would get Wes. I don't know if he's going to do the game. It would be nice to hear Wes Durham again. But uh, you know, let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. The, the the slate has clearly been wiped clean because the goodwill you had built up in the first four games, you kind of took it away with this last win. By the way, I don't know if any of our listeners will be uh, blaming Sea Dog. I do not. Sea Dog, we we still love you. Oh, and by the way, Lewis shouted out. He said, uh, "He said I'm feeling a little more like Sea Dog was in his YouTube comments. So if you want to know how Lewis is feeling after his tirade of his email, you can go watch Sea Dog and uh, over on his YouTube channel and catch some Absolutely. of his post game comments. So, Joshua, I will leave you with the last word before I do the wrap up. Well, it's just a simple question. Um, we end it off with every show, and you can still answer it this way now that we've gotten all the Bowling Green stuff out of our system. And it's a very simple question: What's the good word?" 